What's up and welcome to the HorrorCast, episode number 124. Tonight we're going to go old school, back to our original format where we're going to talk about two movies. One movie will be older and we will spoil the heck out of that movie. And the newer one, we will try to keep spoilers to a very minimum. I am one of your hosts tonight, Mark Nato, and let's bring in Revenant Vin. What's up, Vin? Hey, what's up, Mark? I'm happy to be talking haunted houses tonight, my favorite subgenre of horror. So I look forward to this. You know what? All of a sudden, I got this deja vu. It's weird, isn't it? It is weird. (laughs) It's weird. I love a good haunted house flick as well. So glad to be talking about that. Uh, Let's bring in the Taminator. Hi, you guys. Um, These are two movies that I had watched one time and probably never planned to watch again. So you guys can just excitedly wait to hear if I liked him any better this time. Oh, I am Uh-oh. waiting with bated breath. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. All right, and let's bring in the host whose picks these are, the Amateur Destroyer. Jessica, what's up? Hey, what's going on, guys? Not uh, much. I'm ready <laughs> I'm ready to talk some uh, some movies here. Ooh, and, yeah. Uh, good your your first official picks here. Yes, part of I, the horror two, kiss and and two two uh, two two ones that we had never <laughs> never even thought about doing so <laughs> i don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing but. we will find out we will find out <laughs> all right well why don't we go ahead and reveal to our listeners what we're talking about dun, dun, dun. Tonight, dun, dun, dun. tonight we will be going back to 1986 that was a great year yeah and we will be looking at the uh, film House. Remember that one? Ding Dong, You're Dead. William Cat, Greatest American Hero. Yeah, that's him. <laughs> and we will be go- looking at 2013's Oculus, which kind of, I guess it really kind of uh, started to get Mike Flanagan into the mainstream. I know yeah. he had had a, a movie or two before that, but this is the one that really kind of put him on the map, I think. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, and they're haunted houses uh, of sorts. So we are looking forward to talking about it. What, what is it about a haunted house flick, Vin, that that you like so much? Uh, I mean, that was haunted houses or stories of hauntings were kind of my gateway into horror in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I loved hearing haunted house stories as a kid. Uh, they were my favorite things to watch as well, but also they were kind of my, my entryway into more, I guess, historical thinking mm-hmm. <laughs> in a way, because usually these haunted houses have some kind of mystery or something in the past that have, you have to unravel and there's a little bit of detective work to figure it out. And it just kind of introduced me to a lot of things that ended up having pretty big influences on my life. And, uh, even now I think that ghosts are fascinating. Um, I don't necessarily believe in them, uh, but I do find them, um, you know, instructive sometimes on uh, the kind of the, the ghost stories we choose to tell and who we tell them to and kind yeah. of what it says about us today. So I, I, I just, I, it's my favorite kind of horror subject is ghosts. Well, here's my question. Does anybody on this podcast believe in ghosts? I do. I, I absolutely do. I absolutely do too. Yeah. I don't believe in ghosts, but I really want to believe in ghosts. I do believe in spooks. I do believe in spooks. I, I, I'm, I'm the same way. I think the world would be a very interesting place if they were here. But uh, yeah. I, I unfortunately 
yeah, I, it was it was a struggle, and I was reluctant to let that belief go, but I did. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of the same way with you know magic or something. Those are mm. things that I really want to believe in, but I just can't. Um, and I feel like I've had some creepy, spooky interactions, but then I just chalk it up to I'm just like playing tricks on myself in my mind kind of deal. Mark, I was just going to ask you, do you believe because you feel you've had something happen to you? Uh, not just myself, uh, other people that I, that yeah. I trust very, Same. Uh, Same. <laughs> I, I, I know that they are not, um, you know, pulling my leg uh-huh. uh, because, yeah. because they're, Same. they're fellow pastors mm-hmm. and, uh, uh, yeah, a friend of mine and I won't say his name or whatever. He absolutely lived in a haunted house and, um, they, they literally considered just leaving in the middle of the night and staying at a hotel until, you know, um, just create crazy stuff. And I'm not going to go into it. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I think it's, I think it's one of those things that you have to experience mm-hmm. to really, you know, and I understand that you think you can have an experience and like, uh, eh, you know, that was my mind playing tricks on me when it's like seven people all, all seeing the same thing or all having the same kind of experience, um, all separately and, and then all together, you, you kind of got to start asking some questions like mm-hmm. what the heck is happening here? So, yeah, but anyway, so what, so what, uh, brought these movies to your, your mind, Jessica, why did you pick them? Yeah. Um, Tammy suggested that I pick movies that are kind of um, good examples of, you know, me and what I'm into. And I thought that that was a good idea since I'm still, you know, kind of new and introducing myself to, um, our listeners. I thought Mm -hmm. it would be nice to pick one of my gateway movies into horror and then pick something that I think is a really effective, you know, modern take on Mm -hmm. a supernatural haunted house kind of deal, since that's probably my favorite subgenre. Okay. Very cool. Well, we're going to take a very short break. When we get back, we're going to get right into our review of House. Let's hide in the attic. No, in the basement. Why can't we just get in the running car? Are you crazy? Let's hide behind the chainsaws. Smart. If you're in a horror movie, you make poor decisions. That's what you do. I'm being quiet. Breathing on me. If you want to save 15% or more on car insurance, you switch to Geico. It's what you do. All right, we're back. And let's get into House from 1986. Guys, um, this one uh, came out on... Uh, February 28th, 1986. Uh, I know I did not see this in the theater. I don't, I, I remember seeing I can't this. I remember if I did or not. I remember seeing this um, VHS art mm-hmm. at the, at the blockbuster and the video den and video invasion, all the oh, places yeah. that I went. I walked by that video case so many times. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and I was just sure this was terrifying because yeah. that's a really good artwork. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so house is rated R it's one hour and 33 minutes long. It is a comedy fantasy horror. Um, it's directed by Steve minor. That's right. Uh, the Steve minor, uh, as we know from Friday the 13th, part two and three, those are probably what those are probably his two f- most famous directing films, right? Uh, oh yeah. Halloween H2O. 
He also directed uh, Warlock. But I think those he's mostly known for those two Friday the 13th movies. And yeah. He's done a lot of TV stuff, too. And he, he would like to uh, uh, forget the other film he directed in 1986, Soul Man. Oh, God. <laughs> Story C. Thomas Allen, Blackface. That's rather, li- rather uh, poli- not very politically correct. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, writing credits, uh, Fred Decker came up with the story. Ethan Wiley um, came up with the screenplay. Uh, stars William Cat. That's right. The Greatest American Hero. Yeah. Um, that's probably what he is best known for. Or Carrie. Yeah, Yeah, Carrie, I think, yeah. (laughs) Carrie, uh, I would say the the normal person, a a non-horror person, if they saw a picture of him, oh, yeah, that's the greatest American hero. But he was in a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. Uh, So he stars as Roger Cobb. Uh, George Went as Harold Gorton, and that's Norm from Cheers. Richard Mull as Big Ben. Uh, I kept thinking, where is this guy from? Night Court. Uh, He's Bull from Night Court. Uh, Kay Lenz as Sandy Sinclair, Mary Staven as Tanya, Michael Ensign as Chet Parker, Susan French as Aunt Elizabeth, who is just creepy. Um, Stephen Williams as cop number four, Alan Autry as cop number three. They don't give those guys names. Isn't that, isn't that sad? So that's about it. Uh, <laughs> plot summary. Guys, uh, Roger Cobb, played by William Cat, is a veter- Vietnam veteran whose career as a horror novelist has taken a turn for the worse when his son, Jimmy mysteriously disappears while visiting his aunt's house. Roger's search for Jimmy destroys his marriage and his writing career. The sudden death of his aunt brings him back to the house where his nightmares began. The evil zombies in the house, uh, force Roger to endure a harrowing journey into his past. All right. So let's go ahead and roll this trailer and when we get get back we're going to talk about our first impressions this is a house where no one should live woman lived here before you was nuts wouldn't be surprised if someone just got fed up and off her she was my aunt heart of gold though roger cobb has come here alone. Daddy? <laughs> but no one is ever alone in the house. This house knows everything about you. Leave while you can. No! It has been waiting for him. Hi. Sandy. Now. It wants you. Horror has found a new home. House. Enter at your own risk. Well, uh, we're going to let uh, Jessica go first. These are your films. So let's uh, start with you. What What were your first impressions? You know, what what's your background with this movie? You said it was a gateway movie for you. Yeah. Uh, so my parents were really into horror. So when I was a kid, I watched a lot of horror movies with my parents. 
And this is one I like really surprised it's rated R actually, <laughs> but I think that this one's pretty safe. I mean, my parents did expose me to some horror movies that they probably shouldn't have at a pretty young age. Um, and this, this one along with, you know, the evil dead and, um, Nightbreed. I was really into monsters too. So supernatural and monsters mostly. I was really into like old Godzilla movies. Those were all kind of like my gateways, but I think that because it's also so comedic, it made it really easy as a kid to kind of fall into that world and feel safe while doing so. Um, so I think that's why things like The Evil Dead and House are some of my all-time favorite movies. Yeah. Okay. I can see that. I can see this being a gateway movie. Um, it, it's not extremely scary, that you, you you would think so unless you're a really small child you know if you're if you're a 10 year old to uh you know 15 year old or whatever this is not going to be uh real real scary to you i don't think so what were your first impressions of it like when you first saw it what'd you what'd you think were you scared or were you just intrigued no. at the uh, at the monsters and, and all of that yeah yeah, I was just totally fascinated by monsters. I just thought they were so cool. I wanted to be a monster so bad when I was little. Um, it's not too late, Jessica. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I just loved it. And I loved William Cat, and I still do. Um, I mean, I think it's crazy for me how much this movie holds up. When I watch it, it's like I'm a five-year-old again. And mm -hmm. it's totally get transported so obviously <laughs> my rating's a little um you know it's a little tainted by my childhood nostalgia <laughs> it's not okay. as uh, critical as maybe some of the other movies that i review okay understood understood uh how about you vin when was the first um, time you saw this what were your first impressions yeah i i've seen this a few times over the years um and uh <coughs> excuse me sorry um I've always had a difficult relationship with it. Uh, <laughs> I, I've always had kind of trouble connecting with the tone of the film. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, the first time I watched it, I just, I didn't like it. I think because I had no idea what to expect. Kind of like you mentioned with that, you know, that uh, the cover with the disembodied mm -hmm. hand ringing the doorbell, mm -hmm. I thought I was getting into something serious. And then I, I had a hard time, you know, uh, with the comedy, um, probably because I, I don't, it's it's a horror comedy that I don't necessarily find funny most of the time, uh, <laughs> so I think that that's that's an issue with me uh, with this. Uh, but of course, comedy is very subjective. Um, I mean, over the years, I've come to like it a little bit more, but I've still not completely sold on the finished product. Um, I like, you know, I definitely like some of the concepts and the ideas, but um, sometimes I'm, I'm less kind of scratching my head over exactly what Miner was going for. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, you can tell this is definitely a post-Ghostbusters haunted house film. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, this is the point where ghosts kind of become they more, more comical, more puppet-like. Uh, you know, less overall um, threatening as mo movie monsters. Mm -hmm. um, they're kind of excuses to show off, like, improved special effects. And it kind of fits with, you know, this more family-friendly, the ghost films that came later on the decade, like Beetlejuice and... Yeah. Uh, things like that. And of course you have also Ghostbusters that helped to uh, popularize the idea of using like technology and ghost hunting mm -hmm. to capture phenomena. So we see Roger Cobb basically doing that, you know, with his recording equipment and everything. So it's, it's so much of its time, uh, in really interesting ways. Um, and I'm, I am surprised that it's rated R, uh, it, 
it absolutely does not need to be. <laughs> no. um, you know, I, I find it very strange that this is a rated R film. Um, but yeah, it's I, I had a negative reaction the first time, but over the years, I've softened to it, definitely. What do you think it was rated R for at the time? Probably just... You know, maybe it's just a little bit too scary for kids. Maybe, yeah. I, w- I would definitely say uh, PG thirteen, or you know, yeah, PG thirteen. PG thirteen was a thing at the time, and it it had come in with Gremlins and all that, right? It's nineteen eighty four, right? Is yeah, so, so yeah, I'm not sure, there. not sure what uh, they were looking at because <laughs> there's no <laughs> there's no sex or anything in here. There's not a lot of bad language, um, and there's not even like blood. Yeah, I was just you thinking, know? I was like, I don't think there's yeah. any blood. <laughs> yeah, so, I don't know, I don't know. Um, okay, so let's uh, say it's Taminator. How about yourself, Taminator? Um, so 1986, that's the year I graduated from high school. I can't remember if I saw this at the movies or not, but I know I saw it around that time. Might have rented it or something. Um, and both of these movies tonight, like I said, I watched once and probably never thought I cared to revisit but I couldn't really remember why. Um, so, you know, I tried to rewatch them with an open mind. Um, and both suffer what what I would say are the same problem. And it's that they're both almost good movies, which is kind of a shame. And we can get more into the likes and dislikes. But I do have to say, and especially because it's my turn next month, I did, like, I've gotten to know Jessica. And I, I you know, I respect her, um, you know, opinions. And I, uh, I there's know a butt she's coming. Like, Lay it no, on. no, not at no, not at all. I, when I so to rewatch them, I, I and I did suggest to her, you know, bring something that really represents you. So I know she's passionate about these. And having rewatched uh, House, knowing that her favorite movies are The Evil Dead, I can totally see. They almost look like they come from the same universe, like those creatures in the house. You know, mm-hmm. kind of like, almost look like Deadites to me. So I can I respect why she loves them this just is not my thing but i can't say this is a bad movie it's not a bad movie it's just not a tammy movie mm-hmm. it's not a tammy movie no, yeah, I, I wondered if this had an influence on evil dead 2 uh yeah because that came out what, like a year or two after this mm-hmm. um, sure, like, there's definitely yeah. similarities yeah yeah definitely they're both like kind of slapsticky a little zany yeah yeah mm-hmm. Inanimate objects coming to life and um, yeah. Hands also, up. This, this, yeah. Um, this felt a little Hollywood produced to me, almost like the feeling of like the Burbs or you know one of those that seem to have come out of a big Hollywood studio, and it just puts a shine on it that isn't gritty horror. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah. horror. Horror is like like I think you said it was like third in line of descriptors. I think maybe that's about right. Because mm-hmm. um, I think the story's more about him being a Vietnam vet and, you know, that kind of a thing. Or I think there's different ways you could read into it. But this just had that Hollywood shine on it that I thought just mm-hmm. kind of kept it out of my horror. Yeah. yeah. Well, this is the film that I had never seen. <laughs> I can't believe it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, of, of course, I've heard of it. I saw, saw the VHS cover, like I said, every time I went to the video store. Uh, and, and I've just... Um, not that I've avoided it because I am, I am not the biggest comedy horror, uh, fan. Uh, there are some comedy horrors that I really love. Uh, but for the most part, I want horror with my horror. Mm -hmm. Um, 
so watching this one for the first time, I can absolutely see where this is a gateway film where this is great fun, uh, throw on and, and just have it on this. If I had seen this as when I went in 86, what was a 13? If I had seen this, then this, this might be one of my favorite movies, honestly, because that, that would have been my first, uh, you know, exposure to it. And I probably would have had real fond memories of it. Uh, I had a good time with it. I thought it was, uh, imaginative. I thought, there was good acting. I thought the, um, the ghosts were very well-made. It reminded me a lot of, uh, I don't know if, if you think so, but like brain dead, th- those sorts of, you know, bad taste, brain dead, th- those sorts of, um, kind of, it was like goofy. Now, of course, brain dead and all that. They're like totally gross. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and their stuff. But, you know, the, the look of things like the bloated and the, you know, mm-hmm. the googly eyes and yeah, all that like stuff. The imagination yeah. behind it. Yeah. And then I was, uh, I thought, Vin, what do you think about this? That I thought like the, the, the humor was trying to be a little American werewolf in London. Uh, yeah, I can kind of. Like a I can little kind bit of see more. that. I don't know if that's exactly what I would point to. Yeah, I mean, not, not saying it, it it is on that same level, but I think that it was kind of like tongue and cheek. Like I know people call American it, Werewolf in London yeah. a, a horror comedy, and I, I don't see that at all. I think yeah, I mean, there's some humorous parts to it, but it's not yeah. really a horror comedy. Uh, yeah. th- this one felt almost more like like sitcom humor in a certain way. Yeah, um, <laughs> like it, it was a little more TV humor. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of felt like I was watching an eighties sitcom at certain points, not just, just not just because of George Wynn, yeah. <laughs> you know, I can't believe the dude was only like around 30 or something like that when <laughs> this movie was filmed. Yeah. <laughs> he was only 30. Um, he's around there. Yeah. I mean, he, he doesn't look 50. that much older today. I mean, yeah, yeah. that's true. <laughs> I, I always thought he was like in his forties or fifties when he was yeah. in, on cheers, but no, but I totally, now that I've seen this, I, I will I will probably show this to my kids uh, come Halloween. Yeah, you know, put, nice. put this on, uh, you know, during Halloween week or whatever because it's it's fun. I actually wish that I had remembered a little bit more about the movie this time when I watched it because I would have actually watched this with my son. Um, mm-hmm. I just kind of I, I forgot that it was as family friendly as it is, yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I just wonder- ended up watching it with my wife. I wonder if it's rated R because of the scene with the aunt. <laughs> Towards the beginning, when she, you know, yeah, hangs yeah. maybe we see somebody <laughs> get shot up in Vietnam, and yeah, you know, I, I was so the, the squibs are going off. Then, I mean, mm-hmm. but there's not a lot. I mean, right? It's, it's a pretty but tame movie, then. honestly. Yeah, no, no, think think about think about this. If if this had had been made as a straight haunted house film. Well, I have that in my notes. I I love the concept. Yeah, or the with premise the Vietnam of this vet. Film. Yeah, and I like the with father Jill. searching for his missing son in a haunted house. Kind of reminds me of like Caroline and Poltergeist, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I like how the house kind of acts as like this portal to the supernatural dimension. Yeah. Um, and there are really cool fantasy aspects that work pretty well actually in this film. But I think that a a more seriously toned remake 
um, would be mm-hmm. terrific for this film. Oh, it was yeah, the comical tone right. that I rarely laughed at, and it more just kind of felt it, it distanced me from the film over and over mm-hmm. and over again. Um, there were just certain times where they were putting comedy where it was entirely inappropriate. Uh, you know, and, I, and I'm not saying that in like a you know enough tight way. I'm just saying that you know this is not true to even like what in, this character is supposed to be experiencing. In a filmmaking way. Yeah, like it's not. It, it ended up not being true to the character. I know that this was like this was originally conceived, I guess, as like um, uh, as an anthology film, kind of like uh, you know um, inspired by Twilight Zone the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so they ended up making this was like originally going to be a sequence, I think, and then they ended up putting a bunch of stuff from other sequences inside this film. So that's that partly why it feels so disconnected. Yeah, it's yeah. very disjointed, very disconnected. There is like the scene where he's babysitting that just has nothing to do with the rest of the film. <laughs> uh, you can take yeah. it out, and you would have no idea this thing was missing. Um, it's just it, it kept throwing it off, like. You know, I mean, we're kind of getting into the the discussion now, right? With spoilers and everything, yeah. but like, yep. you know, he he thinks that he's just killed his ex wife, who he mm-hmm. still deeply cares about, and he cares about him. And then they have, you know, after he thinks that he's actually that she's turned into something and he's killed her, they have like playing what is like you're no good, playing, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, yeah. during this burial montage, and yeah. which is a weird choice because that's a song all about like you know getting over somebody who's bad for you. And mm. it's it's just completely inappropriate to what's supposed to be happening with this character right now. Um, like, even just on a bigger scale, we're all parents here. Imagine if your son was just missing and you don't know what has happened to him. Your demeanor, and it's like, it seems like his wife just went on with her life and he just went on. And I know people move on. I understand that. But this was yeah. pretty pretty fresh. And I, I mean, he just, you know, just going to well, go we, to this place. We don't place know how and, long it's been. Yeah. You know, like, well, that's true, I guess. Like, they, they, they seem to have gotten a divorce. They, they seem like they were together when the kid went missing. Mm-hmm. So, if they've yeah. had a divorce and everything by now, I feel like a lot of time has probably gone by. Oh, but, that's, yeah. but then but when I we find out everything that happens, it doesn't seem like that's actually the case. I think it's been like a year. If mm-hmm. I'm, I don't remember why I think that, but I feel like I picked it up. It's a long time something. for a kid to be in a cage. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Although, you know, to to me, I think the one of the reasons why I think this movie is still good and holds up, even though it's, you know, very comedic, is because of those darker elements that give it a little more depth, even if it's a little disconnected. Um, and I think also it might be because Fred Decker actually wrote the film to be purely horror, but then Ethan Wiley rewrote the script with all the humorous parts mm. to it. So it was supposed to be a straight film, you know, yeah. a straight horror I would have liked to have seen that film. Yes, so too. it is kind of like a combo, you know, of these two different writers and their ideas. I think yeah. the only time I really laugh is like some scenes with George Went with his timing. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, and I, at first I kind of <laughs> laughed at the You're No Good montage. Uh, but then the more I thought about it, I'm like, this... I don't understand why this is happening. <laughs> uh, yeah. But yeah. otherwise, yeah, because it, it kept it kept it kept disconnecting me from Roger yeah. Cobb. Um, I wasn't sure, like he never seemed like as scared as he should have been. Yeah, like there's that scene where he yeah. sees that he sees his son outside the window and he uses a remote to turn him off. Yeah. And I'm like, it's a cool effect, but what what am I supposed to get out of that scene? I don't quite understand. Well, 
to me, what it was, was right before that, he had seen his wife on TV. And, you know, like, throughout the movie, she's on TV on her big show. And yeah. I think for him, it, like, brought back the painful memory of his son. So he turns off the TV, and then he looks over, and he sees the son, because seeing his wife makes him also, you know, think and miss his... So think, do you think oh, that wasn't the haunting taunting him? That that was actually just him remembering no. his son? I mean, to me, that was just kind of like a trauma memory. Mm-hmm. I didn't think of it as the actual house or the haunting of it. I thought it was mm-hmm. just like his traumatic memories haunting him, essentially. It was hard to tell sometimes because I do believe, like I said, the prevailing story here is is a man overcoming his demons. And mm-hmm. it was kind of hard to tell, like, how much was... The, I wanted it to be more of the house, but I believe towards the end I was feeling like a lot of it was coming from inside him until he's you know, was able to write that story and purge himself of, you know, his feelings of Vietnam and all that. But mm. I mean, how great was that house? And I, I would love to have a Yeah, the set is this. great. Yes. Yeah. So great. And imagine if this was just a straight up horror movie, how good that could be. Yeah, yeah. I do yeah. kind of wish that him writing his way out of his trauma played a more prominent role in the end. You know, I, I looked it up that PTSD, I guess it was added to the American Psychiatric Association uh, in 1980. Mm-hmm. So like the 1980s, when Americans kind of grew more aware of PTSD syndromes, uh, syndrome symptoms, <laughs> um, like flashbacks, things like that, you know, like Rambo First Blood came out in 1982, even though it's based on a novel from the 70s. Um, and I kind of wish that the, the film had handled things a little bit better with that rather than like putting a grenade in big Ben and just blowing them up. Cause that none of that seems like it would get you over PTSD, you know, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I kind of, he was kind of like, I'm not afraid of you anymore. Big man. I'm like, was that what this was about him being afraid of Ben? Cause yeah. that's not what I thought this movie was about at all. Yeah, I might have been more dismissive of PTSD. I think we understand it much more today than we did, yeah. you know, then. And I, they may, may, they might not have understood exactly how PTSD works. You know, it's well, not so there's, you there's potential over. there to handle in a mm-hmm. in an interesting I mean, way. Imagine if this had been, you know, part the Changeling, part the Evil Dead, part like Deer Hunter slash Jacob's Ladder. Yeah or, yeah, or something like that, where they took that. Oh, that would go know. really dark. <laughs> <That's Yeah. it. laughs> but the, the another, I'm sorry, I know I'm just kind of piling on, but the other thing that kept throwing me off in this film were the Vietnam flashbacks, because yes. I kept like, I'm like, are these supposed to be comical? Yeah, I'm like, the sets look totally fake. Mm-hmm. Richard Mole <laughs> is completely over the top. You yeah. can't take him seriously, and the scenes are just they're too goofy to be serious. And mm-hmm. then, like he'll, like it'll like it'll go back to yeah, it'll go back to Roger Cobb, and he's just like, oh, you know, like like yeah. he's having this terrible flashback, and I'm like, that did not come off as terrible. <laughs> no, you know what? I thought his big thing was going to be he caught he caused his whole company to get blown up or something like that. Yeah, That's yeah. What he was, you know, it was going to be something really bad, you know, and you know. Well, yeah. I mean, he did, you know, he, he should have. I don't know. I guess could should he have killed the guy? I mean, <laughs> that's kind of a hard yeah. thing to ask somebody. Big Ben is a ridiculous character. Um, and it, that's it, that's one of the things awesome. that makes me not like the ending. Mm-hmm. Like he's played with such camp. Um, you know, yeah, and dude, and you yeah. have to buy into him Big being ben? some kind of mastermind behind this whole thing, but none of it connects. None of it yeah. makes any kinds of sense, any any sense, oh. you know. Well let's, well, let's talk about some of the stuff that we did like, because yeah. 
No. I will say I will say this. I will say this that I thought the um the character of Big Ben he looked ter- terrific at the end until you I see his it, mouth moving. Yeah, I thought it was kind of yeah, cool though. Yeah. Uh, it re- reminded me a little bit of um a little bit of Jason from uh uh a few years later with the um uh, what was that part seven, the new blood, you know, yeah. when taking off. but, uh, Saying Carrie. Yeah. I thought it, I thought it was kind of, I thought it was kind of good, uh, you know, comedy aside or the way over the top way he was being played. I thought it was, uh, it was pretty cool the way he looked. I thought the, uh, the rest of the monsters looked yeah. pretty cool. Like the one that was coming out of that closet, you could see it had like faces, yeah, like, I like the thing. Like almost like yeah. melded into the side. Look very like Lovecraftian. Got to call me creepy. Lovecraftian slash the thing uh, in there. Um, I guess that one. It was designed to look like like a conglomerate of victims of napalm from the war, from the Vietnam War. Oh, okay. I didn't get yeah. that at all. Yeah, makes but, sense. <laughs> it's a cool idea. But <laughs> yeah, you didn't get. That's um, just what I read. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he got that great a look at. But that's one of the things about this movie that is interesting is that it's it's pretty much all in the broad daylight. Yeah, there's not yeah. a lot of there's yeah. not. I mean, they just show you everything out in the broad daylight or in the house with the lights all on, and uh, you know you think haunted house, you you think dark hallways and. In shadows and creepiness, and they could and it's have done that, that in that house. It's you know, none of they? that. It, it's mm-hmm. it's it's all, you know. Even if you're in the house and it's nighttime, all the lights are on, mm-hmm. and there's no shadows or whatever. It's just straight up in your face. Yeah, it's uh, that family friendly feel. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, there, there, there's no like, you know, intimidating atmosphere necessarily in this. Right. Um, even when things are happening, it's not like he seems like he's in that much danger. <laughs> Not all that scared. He seems very resourceful. Right. Yeah. (laughs) And I wonder if that's very well. Very much. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I wondered if that's because he's a writer or if because he was in the war or a combination of both. (laughs) Well, the whole the whole scene, the famous scene where he's like running through the house, um, jumping down the stairs. Oh, doing parkour. Yeah, <laughs> it, you know, he might not have been a very good soldier. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, but it was again that was meant to be funny, and it was just kind of like uh, a little goofy. But uh, I, I did like the monster work. You know, very, you know, very, um, you know, uh, imaginative pu- puppety. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I love that flying skeleton. Oh yeah, part of the stop motion animation and everything when he goes through the mirror. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, yeah, the one that that shoots, <laughs> shoots a shotgun. Yeah, it takes that, his gun that, from that, him. Yeah, that did make me laugh. That did make me laugh. Come on, um, the smelly this, doors are creepy looking. Yes, they um, were. Was this at all supposed to be in three D? Because I saw a I couple never heard anything about that. I saw I don't a know. couple parts. I was like, I wonder if this was supposed to be in three D, but maybe not. Maybe not. Yeah. I've never heard anything about it. And um, he, here's another like. Uh, jump in if you if you want, but uh, I love the score, and the score is from um, Manfredini, mm-hmm. who who you know 
Steve Miner had worked with on the Friday the 13th movies. And um, it, the score is very Friday the 13th-y. Yeah. Uh, if, you, if you really listen to it. Yeah. Uh, it's I thought it was very detail. fitting. Yeah. I think he like returned to the same well time. quite a few times. <laughs> yeah. But I, I liked it. Uh, it was very, very, very 80s, but I, I really liked it. Um, yeah. It, it, I think it added to the film uh, a lot. Um, what else? Anybody else? What's some other stuff you liked? My favorite thing that I like, and maybe you guys don't really like this as much, and maybe it adds to the disconnect, but I love that William Cat goes like 110% like serious, even though he's doing these ridiculous things. Mm. Like, I feel like he's not really playing them comedically. I feel like he's invested in that role and that he's trying to portray like an actual person. And it's just all these ridiculous things are happening around him. Um, He's committed. that's yeah, yeah, that's kind of like the Evil Dead too. I think you know if I'm like thinking about it now, I guess Ash is kind of like that as well, although he's a little goofier. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. William Cat does a, a you know a perfectly fine job. Um, there, there's except for Richard Mull's over the top performance. Um, I didn't have a problem with any of the the acting mm-hmm. in the film. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I even thought the neighbor Harold, um, he's obviously like ridiculous, but he's not so over the top that you're like, this guy is not a believable person at all. Like, I can see that person being my weird and annoying, but friendly neighbor in real life. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you did you notice uh, there's a little uh, uh, homage to Wes Craven? In this. Yeah, the realty. The, yeah, the realty company mm-hmm. that sells the house. Um, yeah, that, that that was interesting. I like how he had a little uh, Frankenstein's monster statue next to his bed. Yeah, that was a nice little touch. Yeah, um, yeah. So I mean, obviously, the people that made this loved horror, and this is kind of like a yeah, you know, a little love letter uh, to them. And I, I think the the thing that there's there's a lot of good stuff. This movie you can put on. And you can have a good time with it. Just do not expect it to all make sense and and kind of um, knit together well in a, in a in a well told story. It's it's just um, a lot of it's eye candy. Um, mm-hmm. And and you know I I enjoyed it, but I don't think um, it's it's not going to be like one of my all time greats. But it it's definitely uh, going to go on the Halloween list. But um, what what else do we have? Uh, I, I thought the old lady, the aunt, was creepy. Mm-hmm. And the scene uh, that that was probably th- the creepiest one for me at the, at the beginning, where he mm-hmm. sees her um, at the very beginning. Not uh, well, it's not William Cat, but who else is going up in there? Uh, oh, when the uh, delivery boy just goes yeah. to the house for no reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the like, dude just the drop off the groceries off, right? and leave. Yeah. No, another <laughs> one of the nitpicks I had for this was that I noticed they did that super 80s camera trick where he opens the door and looks around in the room, but like doesn't notice her hanging there until the camera does. And yeah. I'm like, there's no way you would not have noticed that immediately when you opened the door. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but they got to do that pan over trick for us and the big That's reveal. Right. <laughs> Nothing over in that corner of the room. <laughs> yeah. Look over here. He's oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
and, and I thought like when she appears to William Cat and warns him, you know, and then hangs herself again and just, just disappears. Like if that had been like in a dark room and there had been like some, you know, I just thought it would be a little bit more effective, but yeah. Yeah. Do you think but, he stayed in the house because he knew his son was in there? I mean, why wouldn't you get the heck out of there the first time you saw the monster? You know what I mean? Like he was so nonchalant about it. did he was he ultimately yeah. trying to get his son back? I, yeah. yeah, he mentioned at one point that he didn't think that his son was dead and that he was still just missing somewhere in the house. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, I guess then as a parent, then maybe you wouldn't care what jumped out at you or what, you know, if you were there for that reason, you were going to find your son, then I guess you would just keep at it like that night after right. night, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, totally. Yep. All right. What else? Anything else good? Like I said, the house was so cool with that peacock window and everything. Mm-hmm. And uh, just, it, I mean, it had the potential to be, it could have been, if somebody would just turn a, a freaking light off. It could have been a scary haunted house. Um, and Somebody would have turned <laughs> a light off. And uh, William Cat was kind of hubba hubba in here, I thought. Yes. Mm-hmm. Especially hubba in that hubba. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you guys I like don't that, usually uh, like blonde guys, but he was pretty hubba hubba in here. You like that blonde white afro? <laughs> he had it taped for this. For the, the white, the so white bad. guy afro. It, it wasn't the Tommy. For the no, it wasn't the Tommy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but that, it's the same haircut he had on Greatest American Hero. Just yes. that that little uh, white boy afro. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He had a, it's almost like a white Jerry curl. Yeah, yes. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, uh, did you know Kane Hodder was the stunt coordinator for the film? I do now. Yes. <laughs> Yes, I did see that. I think that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. So, and and I don't, I don't think we need to go through any dislikes because we've already said most of our dislikes. But any any other likes uh, before we rate this bad boy? All righty then. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I have too many likes, and it'll just be ridiculous if I start listing them all off. Well, is there one that you haven't mentioned that should be mentioned before we we rate? Um, I don't know. I kind of like some of the stuff in the writing that I thought was just kind of clever to kind of tie things together because it was kind of disjointed. So there were certain elements that I felt like they were really trying to kind of make it cohesive Um, or at least just like kind of fun in a smart way. Like when he puts all the body parts in different spots when he's burying them and not together. Like he thinks it's going to be able to come back together or something. Mm-hmm. I love stuff like that. Or the reveal of the painting that, you know, tells him where he can find his son, Jimmy. I thought that that was funny. Cause there's just like a towel hanging on the corner this whole time. Yeah. And, the <laughs> and it's like, there's the answer. Um, also very eighties. Um, but I just love stuff like that. And I love the mirror void. I thought that that was just cool in general. And the scene where we're looking up at him through his little triangle or triangle rectangle of light, you know, from mm-hmm. this dark void. I thought that mm-hmm. that was really cool. Um, the thing that I really don't like is just the the end. I'm like, when was it established that overcoming your fear is the answer? Um, (laughs) so that bothers me, but then Tammy was saying that it gets kind of convoluted with, 
Um, you know, where is he just like dealing with his trauma versus dealing with actual monsters? So I wonder if that is supposed to tie in in that way somehow. But it's it's hard to sell us that he's trying to overcome fears when he never really acts afraid in the movie. Yeah, that's true. So, <laughs> and he has plenty to look at what he's been through. He has plenty to be afraid of. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Um, just a couple bits of trivia here: uh, Glenn Close and Sigourney Weaver were considered for the female lead role. Uh, of to me, he only had three scenes. Yeah, yeah. Me, it sounds like it would wouldn't be enough meat on the bones for them. Um, uh, of course, this has does this have two sequels or three? Two, I think. Right. Two, exactly. yeah. There's a house two, three, and four. Mm-hmm. I've never seen any of them. I've seen House Two, and, and I love it. <laughs> You do? I do. It's totally not even like horror at all, pretty much. It's more super like comedy action. Um, but I do love it because I watched them together when I was little and I can't help it. It's That's okay. Than, I respect that. I do. It's worse than this one for <laughs> sure, though. <laughs> you, you like what you like. Mm-hmm. It's okay. I think it's still set in this house, but it's like a different story and different characters and everything. Yeah, I was looking at it and said that it, it's a new owner. But George Went is in it. Uh-huh. Uh, and and they and even um what's what's uh Cliff from Cheers, John. Yeah. He makes oh. an appearance in it too. So yeah. yeah. That's funny. All right. Oh, and uh, Stephen Williams, who plays cop number three in this film, would go on to play Creighton Duke in Jason Goes to Hell. Yeah. <laughs> Old cowboy Creighton Duke. I thought you were going to say like on Dukes of Hazard, like a cousin or something like that. No, no. <laughs> Please tell me you've seen Jason Goes to Hell. Uh, I've seen them all at least once. Yeah, Creighton Duke, man, what a guy, what a guy. <laughs> oh, I did, I did. Got one more. Like, I did like the gag with the the disembodied hand. Oh, I dog. love it. The, the dog. That that was good. I yeah. That was good. And also the babysit the babysitting scene is so dumb and like Vince said earlier, it's just totally out of place. And who would let the strange man just watch their little kid? Uh, yeah. And he's like chasing them and he's yelling at her to stop and not come any closer. And then he'd like yeah. throws him in the bathroom and the kid comes out crying. I'd be like, Oh hell no. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I love the scene where he's biting the hand to get it to let go of uh, the little boy yeah. Robert. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I love it. It yeah. flushes. I was like, that is not going to flush. And then it does. <laughs> yeah. Magic. <laughs> yep. Yeah. All right. Well, let's go ahead and uh, rate it. And we'll let uh, Jessica go first. Uh oh. Okay. No apology. I mean, you know what's funny is that in my heart, I want to rate it a 10 out of 10, but I was like, <laughs> I'm going to watch this very critically. And so, with my very critical eye, I came up with a nine and a half out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> this movie's almost ah, perfect, except for it. the very okay. end. <laughs> I really ripped it apart. <laughs> That's good. I seriously, whenever I rewatch this, I'm like, oh my god, this totally holds up, right? Um, to myself, <laughs> apparently. <Yeah. laughs> But yeah, so nine and a half out of ten for me. 
<laughs> All right, let's uh, let's see what Tammy has to say. I I I respect Jessica, and I know I get it. I, I get it. I have been there so many times, and next month when it's my picks, you guys are going to be saying all this stuff all over again. Um, some I mean, you it's like when you find your people. It's when when you find your movie, you don't even have to explain it. It just is. It fits like a puzzle piece, you know. And sometimes you can't even explain why. Now, as me, just just as Tammy over here, <laughs> uh, there's nothing wrong with this movie. I think it's just very of its time. So if you're not really into that 80s kind of, what, I don't know what you would call it, that silliness. Um, cheesy. Yeah, kind of cheesy, but it, I don't think it would have seemed that cheesy in the year that it came out, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think you mean endearing and charming. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> cheesy is not necessarily a bad word. I don't mean it in a bad way. No, it is. It is a, it, it does explain what I'm trying to say about the eighties. You, you know, if you've ever seen one of these movies, you know what I'm talking about. There is nothing wrong with this movie and it's just kind of just there for me. So I'm going to give it like a six and a half, but don't, I don't want to like deter anyone from giving it a try who hasn't seen it. Like you should see this, you know, you just should, if you haven't seen it already, it's just not my thing. And I wouldn't have rewatched it had it not been for the show, but I'm not mad that I rewatched it or anything. You know, it's, it's not, it's okay. Tammy, We're still friends. (laughs) It's not a Tammy movie. (laughs) It's not a Tammy movie. All right, Vin, what about you? It's not really a Vin movie either. Um, it's it, it, This feels like a movie that it feels like an early attempt at something that ends up being done better later. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's like it's like the first run before you get to like Evil Dead 2, you know, which just puts the kind of things that they're doing here almost to perfection uh, in a certain way. Um, like, yeah, I like I said, I've this movie has grown on me more over the years, but I still don't love it. Um, but I do think that it's worth seeing. I like the creature effects and it is one that I could see watching with my son at some mm-hmm. point down the road. I'm not, I'm not going to go after it again real quick, but you know, maybe like a few years from now, you know, if he wants to sit down and watch a horror film and I don't want to, you know, yeah. traumatize him, I can, I can throw this <laughs> on. Um, so, uh, I, I'm going to say like a seven. Um, yeah. that, that's, that's pretty much where I'm at. Yep. All right. Um, again, I'm gonna I'm gonna come in with a six and a half out of ten. I'm gonna say it's definitely worth a watch. Uh, I'm gonna say it's definitely a gateway film mm-hmm. if you're looking for something to uh, you know show your your kids and they want to get into horror or whatever. This is this is right up your alley. Um, but I do honestly believe that this this would probably be higher like like an eight and eight and a half out of ten if i'd have seen this when i was a kid mm-hmm. um because sometimes you just have you need that experience mm-hmm. there's nostalgia glasses you know so to speak uh, but the fact that i waited until i was 48 to see it you're that uh, old just kidding going <laughs> straight <laughs> you know <laughs> The fact that I waited that long to see it, like yeah. I, I think my appreciation of it uh, isn't as as great as it would have been. Uh, and I don't so, think I mentioned before when we were talking. I didn't see this as a child either. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I was probably around thirty when I first saw it, or so. Um, yeah. So, 
I'm thinking like this, this would be great paired up with, uh, you know, monster squad mm-hmm. and evil dead yeah. two. And, and like family said, horror films. Yeah. Yeah. Go ghost. But well, I don't know if I'd call evil dead Two a, a family. horror right. film. I wouldn't what? pair these two things together. Uh, yeah. This evil dead two. I wouldn't. What about fright yeah. night? Yeah, maybe a Fright Night. Even like Fright Night's a little bit you know? more, you know, but but I think it, that's definitely uh, you know, th- th- there's a little bit more a sexy, sexy in, <laughs> in Fright Night. But, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, well, the Burbs. I said the, it remind me of the Burbs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. All right. Well, there you go. I think yeah. uh, it's it's still recommended. There, there's going to be people listening to this. I know House is going to be your favorite movie of all time. I know it because <laughs> yeah. I've know, seen it. One of the uh, reasons uh, I wanted to cover it too is because I feel like it. I haven't really heard it covered on other podcasts before, and I always think it's crazy because to me it's like obvious. Um, so that was also one of the reasons I was like, you know what? I never hear anyone talk about house, so that's one that I want to talk about. All right. So next week we'll be talking about House Four. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, listeners, you know, let us know what you think about House. Once we uh, put this out there, get on our Facebook and let us know if we if we were wrong and Jessica was right. Yeah, listeners, know. validate me. I think they will validate her. I think a lot of people have nostalgia glasses, find you know, fondness for this movie. I think this is this has become a cult classic. Yes. It yeah. really, it really is. You know. All right, well, let's take a quick break, and when we get back, we're going to get into 2013's Oculus. I was like, Can you play the wake up playlist? You like this one? Turn that up! Louder! Alice! Oh my god, what is that? Don't touch it! It's a good song. No! Stop! No! What are you doing? I know it's a great song with its catchy melody and sing-along lyrics, but we cannot play that song. It's only a song. I'm just gonna play it one more time. Don't! Stop! Killer songs you can't resist. Spotify. Okay, we are back. And we're going to get into 2013's Oculus. Um, Since 2013, it actually came out on April 11th, 2014. I remember seeing this one at the movies. Uh, It is definitely rated R. One hour and 44 minutes. uh, Horror and, like Vin said, a little bit of a mystery in here. A little bit of a mystery. Um, this one was directed by Mike Flanagan, who uh, has since become, I, I would say he's probably the hottest horror director out there, right? Yeah, I, I mean, so. would, yeah, I don't Ari think, Aster, I think, is probably. But this guy's more, more mainstream. Well-known. Yeah. No. Yeah. Well, well, no. Ari Aster's a little, so. uh, he's a little more, you know, green. Artsy. <laughs> yeah, but I'm just saying as far as like uh, exposure in theaters. Um, Eli Roth, maybe? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I think that, I mean, here, here's here's his list here. He uh, 
He started off with Absentia, which is a great movie. Love it. That is that is really underseen and underappreciated. Yeah. And then this was his first, uh, you know, kind of theater film. Then he hit Netflix with Hush, which is fantastic. <laughs> mm-hmm. Then Before I Wake with Kate Bosworth, which is, it's almost like a fantasy horror. That one was not given its proper due because there was so much, uh, um, remember it, it was supposed to come out in 2016, Studio distributor, something like that went bankrupt. Oh, dude, it was like two years. It was in in distribution hell. Made before Hush, but released after, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you haven't seen Before I Wake, it's 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 good. It's got got some heart to it. Then Ouija, Origin of Evil, which I thought was really good. Better than better than the first one. Oh, (laughs) by like leaps and bounds. Yeah. Then he comes back to Netflix and does Gerald's Game, which was fantastic. Fantastic. Yep. Then he does Haunting of Hill House, which is, okay, fan-frickin-tastic. Then he does Dr. Sleep, which is... Which nobody went to go see. (laughs) And then Haunting of Fly Manor, which is also fantastic. Uh, And right now he's he's working on another um, two different TV series, Midnight Mass and The Midnight Club. Uh, and my guess is that those are probably for Netflix. So I'm not sure what he is uh, doing. Like, I don't Everything he does to me it has been really, really solid. Every little so. thing he does is magic. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if it's true for all of us, but he's definitely one of my favorite I modern do. horror filmmakers. So, yeah. yeah. We have said this before. He's, he's a great great storyteller yes he's a great he he knows how to create characters that we actually can care about yeah you know he explores deeper themes i mean he you know it's not just about oogity boogity you know (laughs) trying to get a scare like he there's there's plenty of that too there's plenty of oogity boogity in his stuff too yeah yeah but it's not it's not cheap jump scares you know i mean he he earns his scares um, yeah. You know, when I was talking, you asked me earlier, you know, in the beginning of the episode, what it is I like about hauntings. The things I like about hauntings are all the things that Flanagan does with them. Yeah. That's why he's one of my favorites is because, you know, I feel like there's a, you know, it, it, I feel like he's making movies just for me sometimes. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. And sometimes I get that, uh, that from Robert Andrews too, but you know, it, it's, yeah. there's certain filmmakers where I'm like, yes, I'm like, it, somebody is doing this with it. I'll, I'll, I'll bring up something when we talk about this film that it was just something that I had read in a book and I'm like, man, he's hitting all of these things. And this was something that was written in 1980. Um, but mm-hmm. it's just, you know, I, maybe he read this book, maybe he didn't. But you, you think about how much thought and consideration he puts into things. Um, he doesn't yeah. do anything, you know, w- without without deep thought. Yeah. Deep thought. It's about Jack Handy. I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. Well, no. then he's, he's not afraid to step out of the mainstream and, you know, do something like absentia or hush. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, you're not guaranteed people in the theater with stuff like that, you know, or whatever. Yeah. yeah, but you know the reason that he's, you know, doing this with Netflix because they're paying him a butt ton of money. Well, they should, yeah, because they know <laughs> with his name yeah. on it, yeah. he delivers gonna, though. Oh yeah, yes he does. Yes he yeah. does. Yeah, so. I feel like so much 
of what he's done would have been more popular. And it's just like, it's always marketed wrong or he doesn't have, you know, the production behind it that he should just, it seems like there's always some sort of issue that messes with him. And it makes me really sad because I feel like his product is a quality one. Yeah. Like I rewatched Dr. Sleep recently and I was just like, so sad that nobody went and saw that. And I think it's so great. Four four times. (laughs) Yeah. Four times. And I was going to go a fifth and then it left. But yeah, that movie is fantastic. Fantastic. All right. Well, that's enough about Mike Flanagan. Um, But he also wrote this screenplay along with a guy named Jeff Howard and um, Jeff Seedman or Sedman helped Flanagan write the the screenplay as well. So we've got Karen Gillen, Gillen, right, Gillen, right? Yeah. I don't like her. <laughs> you don't like her. I can't stand her. Is there a doctor who hate? Is that what's oh, going on here? That is the only, the only, the only season of doctor who I haven't finished is because she's. Oh. <laughs> what's wrong with her? I thought she was awesome. Her face. In this. <laughs> her, her face. face? She's gorgeous. Yeah, yes. I like her face. No, no. no. Oh, She's Ben, not... we disagree on a woman for once because no. I know, I get her. Yeah. <laughs> I have to fight you, you for her. You can have her, her mother, her sister. You can have them all. <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah, I was just gonna make a comment of how of how uh, gorgeous she was in this. Oh yeah. Yeah, I think she's beautiful. That hair. Oh. Hair is so awful in this movie. Awful. Her it's hair, not the most flattering haircut, but still. Yeah. Oh, I liked it. Yeah, I, I liked, liked it. I liked it a lot. <laughs> okay. Kind of old school bangs. Yeah, that's right. Yes. Oh, you just you're just jealous. Yep. I'm just kidding. Oh, so Karen Gillan as Kaylee Russell, uh, Brenton Thwaites as Tim Russell, Katie Sackoff as Marie Russell, Roy Cochran as Alan Russell. Annalise Basso as young Kaylee, uh, Garrett Ryan as young Tim, and then uh, Kate Siegel, who is Mike Flanagan's, you know, woman. Super hot wife. Yes. Uh, yeah. She was also the lead in Hush and all that, but uh, she's uh, Marisol Chavez in here. Yes, she's uh, she's one of the ghosties. So, all right. Let's uh let's go ahead and do the uh, uh, synopsis here. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm just dang on it. I had it up. Give me a second. There we go. You got me all discombobulated with your, you know, talk of Karen Gillum being ugly. <laughs> yeah. Do you just hate her face, or do you not yes. like? Acting. I don't know. I have a visceral reaction. You just to hate her face. <laughs> I don't know. We must have had a run in in another life or something. I just have a visceral reaction to her. I cannot stand her, and I okay. I don't know what. That is weird. I know. Right? You can't even watch Jumanji. God no. Oh. Do you know what a sacrifice it is not to watch that uh, season of Doctor Who? That is a huge sacrifice for me. But I won't do it. Okay. 
Alrighty then. <laughs> okay, here's the uh, here's the synopsis. Haunted by the violent demise of their parents ten years earlier, adult siblings Kaylee and Tim are now struggling to rebuild their relationship. Kaylee suspects that their antique mirror, known as the Lasser Glass, is behind the tragedy. The seemingly harmless reflections contain a mal- malevolent supernatural force that infects the mind of anyone who gazes into it. As Kaylee gets closer to the truth, the siblings become caught in the mirror's evil spell. There you go. So let's go ahead and roll the trailer. When we get back, we'll talk about our first impressions. Hello again. You must be hungry. Tim is a healthy adult who represents no danger to himself or anyone else. And I believe he should be discharged. Hey, little brother. I found it. What do you mean? We only have a few days. A few days for what? To keep our promise and kill it. My name is Kaylee Ann Russell. The purpose of today's experiment is to prove that the object behind me is responsible for at least 45 deaths in the four centuries of its recorded existence. We got a new home, so we get new furniture. It's a bit ostentatious, though, don't you think? Hey, Dad, who's that lady in your office today? What lady? We were just kids. We made up a scary story so we wouldn't have to accept the fact that our father was a sick man who killed our mom. Why don't we just end it right now and smash the damn thing? First, I intend to prove that the people I've just described were victims of the supernatural force that resides in that mirror. You want to redeem the family name? You promised me you'd never forget what really happened. I was 10 years old. Daddy? Tim? Tim. Snap out of it! Okay, we're back. I'm going to go first, okay? Yep. Um, besides for uh, uh, Karen Gillan being hot, uh, I think she does a great job in this film. I think her um, counterpart, Brendan Thwaites, also does well. I thought the whole cast was really good. Uh, Rory Cochran as the dad was really like... I kind of felt like he was um, perfect for that part. Just the look on his face, that blank. I don't know what was, you know. Um, This was just a movie that blew me away uh, when I saw it in the theaters back in uh, 2014. Um, I wasn't expecting it to be any good. And I I love it. 
I love the haunted house theme. I love the, the fact that the mirror is the source of everything. Um, Vin, like you were saying, it's got a history, you know, as she's reading through all these clippings and all this research that she's done, how, how this mirror has gone back and, you know, and all these spirits are, are in this mirror. This is the, the, the portal, right. For this. Uh, yeah. Loved it. Love, loved this movie. Really do. That's my first impression of the movie. Um, Tammy, what about you? So Mike, <laughs> Mike Flanagan, I love him. I love his movies, you know, but hush, absentia, Dr. Sleep, Hill house. And in the mortal words of Mark, come on now. <laughs> Cause I mean, those are all awesome. This one was just a complete miss for me. I watched it one time and it was like, yeah, that, mm-hmm. and I don't think I even cared. I might not even have known too much about him way back when I saw it. Um, but I didn't care if I ever watched it again, to be honest with you. And I can't say I feel that much different having watched it again. I'm sorry, Jessica. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Well, you have to apologize to all of us. <laughs> yeah. Now, yeah. <laughs> I mean, There's I just so many problems here that I just was like waiting for it to be over. And I tried. I like. I respect you. We're friends, you know. I respect your opinion, and I respect your passion. But I and I tried. I tried to go in. I'm like, oh, obviously, I missed something here, you know. And how I, are there problems? Oh, where should couldn't we... get past Karen Gillan's face? Okay. <laughs> yeah, you already hate the movie because of Karen Gillan. Uh, that doesn't help, but that is not the only reason. <laughs> it's okay. I'm not offended, and I'm totally cool with people having their own opinions. <laughs> All right. What about uh, you, Vin? Well, my first viewing was a positive one. Uh, yeah, I had seen Flanagan's Absentia, and I liked it. Um, this is the one that really made me take notice of him, you know, and uh, notice his name. You know, this is the first time I, I wanted to look into... Um, I mean, the first time I looked into who the director was, but I certainly remember looking this one up. Um, I watched it the first time with my wife, and uh, we both enjoyed it. And then I, the second time alone, and something in me, I wanted to go back to it, you know? But I remember kind of hesitating a little bit before pushing the play button <laughs> when I was by myself, and that doesn't happen often. <laughs> um, so I knew that there were, there were certain scenes in the third act that stuck with me, um, that made an impression on me. And I was kind of both eager and reluctant to return to them. Um, but yeah, I, I was immediately taken with what he was able to pull off. Um, he does things in this movie that are incredibly difficult for filmmakers. You know, he's got two timelines going. He's got the single location. Uh, he's got long scenes of exposition. And on top of that, you know, he's the focus is a mirror. And he never once uses it as a cheap jump scare which mm-hmm. we see over and over again in horror films that have nothing to do with mirrors, you know, and he managed to make this inanimate object creepy and not yeah. cheap at all. Um, so this was definitely my first step towards Flanagan becoming one of my favorite modern directors. Um, so I had a very positive viewing experience the first time. All right. So Jessica, it's, it's me. It's not you. <laughs> How about you, Jessica? <laughs> all right. So for me, my husband and my daughter were away at softball practice 
And I think I watched it on Netflix in probably 2015, maybe. I don't know if it was on there like 2014 or 2015. And this was my first Mike Flanagan experience. And I just did the rant. This looks like a cool movie. I'll just watch this. Um, So I had no expectations going into it and didn't know anything about it. And I was, you know, by myself in the dark. And I was so scared that I had to turn on all the lights afterwards. (laughs) And I waited (laughs) for my family to come home so that I could watch cartoons with my daughter before I went to bed. Did you stay Um, away from mirrors? Certainly, and you certainly didn't look in a mirror. I did not. And it gave me the feeling that I would have when I'd watch you know, haunted house movies when I was a little kid of like, I can't put my feet on the ground or something will grab them from under the couch. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't really get scared like that during a lot of movies, but it was definitely one of those where I was like, I should not have watched this by myself in the dark, but I had no idea what I was getting myself into. Um, so it made a big impression on me. Nice. All right. Well, Tammy can just hang up now. Okay. And then uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding, Tammy. Yeah. And I don't think kidding. it's a perfect movie, um, but the things that I like about it, I find really effective. And it's it reminds yeah. me of why I love haunted, you know, stories and ghost stories. And I felt like for a long time, all those movies were the same. And I felt really deflated about mm. them and not yeah. excited for them. So then when a good one comes along, um, you're like, oh, finally, that's right. That's why I like these. Yeah. yeah, and I love that for you. I really, really do. <laughs> I do. I can't love that for me. I do. <laughs> just, just the fact, like Vince said, it's it's basically one setting. Uh, there's, there's that that uh, storytelling uh, where where there's two different timelines happening at the same time. Um, that that can throw some people off. I like that part of it. Yeah, and I thought I thought it was neat because it added to the, um, you know, what the heck's going on, what's real, what's not, mm-hmm. you know, because the the mirror makes makes people think certain things are real um, when they're not, and uh, I, I just man, it was just so enjoyable to watch, and I hadn't watched it uh, since. You know, when it first came out, I got the Blu-ray and I watched it again. And I hadn't watched it, so it's it's been around since 2000, the end of 2014, since I've watched it. And it it was even better than I remembered. I mean, to me, it, that that's hard to do. Um, mm-hmm. uh, that I, I couldn't believe that I had just not watched this thing in like seven or eight years or seven years. I don't know. What, I can't do math. But, <laughs> yeah, there, there were some really... Uh, cool set pieces that really creeped me out. I thought, uh, uh, I thought the the reflecting eyes mm-hmm. of the ghost yeah. were really creepy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's funny. I don't know if I forgot that they were mirror eyes, mm-hmm. or if I hadn't really noticed before. But I, this time is when I really took notice of it. Yeah, um, I, 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 I think like I just, just they were kind of like, eyes. yeah, yeah. Then maybe it's a little mirrors. pinpoint. Yeah, it wasn't until we get a close-up of uh, Marisol at one point that I realized that, oh, the eyes are mirrors. And I don't know if I really noticed or picked up on that earlier. How do you guys know her name is Marisol? This is one of my gripes about this movie. Who the heck is she? And what is she? She's one of the victims. The victims. Remember when she (laughs) She was the last victim of the mirror. Maybe I was asleep. 
Maybe yeah, when she's reading when off, like she's going back to like, uh, in the seventeen hundreds. She shows her picture like dead on the bed with blood all yeah. over her cross. Oh, yeah. I guess so, I didn't make that connection. So e- right. every victim, every victim is now in the mirror, and is now like and a servant is, of the mirror. Yeah. And that they make the mirror makes them evil. Then is that? Or the mirror uses, uses them. The mirror uses them to to haunt or to to do its bidding or whatever. And since she was the last victim, she's the one that is seen most prominently now. Yeah. Okay. Um, and and plus it's uh, his girlfriend. But <laughs> we'll get I, don't, I don't I don't think they were married yet when this. No, no. But I say they, girlfriend. This, they filmed this. Yeah. Um. I, and here's the thing, man. I completely forgot the ending, and it and it had me again. Yeah. I'm oh. like crap. <laughs> and we don't want to give away big spoilers, but it is yeah. a. It, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna give the spoiler. I was like the ending. I didn't no. see coming again. He, he's not and afraid of giving movie. us a downer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. So, yeah. This was my um my third time watching it. So mm. after the first time I watched it, when my daughter got home, I was like, I just watched one of the scariest movies I've seen in a long time. And she was like, cool, we got to watch it together. So we watched it, I think, the following week. And she was totally scared. And I was sitting there with a grin watching her watch it mostly. <laughs> and we rewatched it together this last week for the show. And we remembered so many of the things about it. And we still screamed out loud like four times. Yeah. <laughs> I was yeah. like, oh, my God, I can't believe this is still scary. And she was like, yeah, this is so scary. And we watched it in the dark. And yeah, I mean, I usually won't scream unless she screams. But (laughs) she has that effect on me. Like if we're watching a movie and she jumps, it makes me really jumpy. So (laughs) (laughs) what a great experience, though, to have that with your daughter. That's a really cool experience, you know? Yeah, especially because she's not necessarily a big horror fan. Mm -hmm. But there are certain ones that really stick out in her mind that she mm-hmm. remembers and will want to revisit. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. What did you guys think about the uh, the two child actors? I thought they were great. They're really yeah. good. Yeah. yeah. Really great. I thought the girl in particular. Has she been in anything else? Because like. Oh yeah. I, has she? Yeah, okay, she's, I hope uh, so. She should. The go girl on was in things. Ouija: Origin of Evil. That, she's that the older sister, though, right? Yeah. In that one. Uh, plus, plus uh, her oh, name's Annalise yeah, Basso. Yeah. Okay. She's if you've never seen the um the indie drama Captain Fantastic, she's mm-hmm. in that. Um, she's in the Snowpiercer TV series. Haven't watched that either because I didn't like the movie. Oh my gosh! Uh, she's in <laughs> Slender Man in 2018. Which, oh yes, she is. You're mm-hmm. right. Yeah. Yeah. So she she's kind of um, I think she's an up and comer. Oh, she should. She was a standout for sure. Yeah, but she's she's also beautiful. Yes, she is. The, very the, beautiful. That, I think they really picked a really. Uh, I believe that was her. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like I believe. She wishes she was that cute when she was little. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I just think that they did a good job of matching up like the the child actors with the with the uh, the adults. I think they looked very similar maybe so. maybe karen was in a fire or something <laughs> oh my god wow <laughs> oh i am such a beat be tonight aren't i <laughs> so mean so mean I, yeah. so, I will be cursed with a fire face now tomorrow you know this right like something is going to happen to me now because i said that 
let's not let's not say that. First with the fire face. <laughs> yes. All right. What else? What else? Vin, what you got? Give me some um, some, some likes. Well, something that I mentioned before. Uh, you know, there was a, a German writer, S.S. Preuer, or Prover, I'm not sure exactly how mm-hmm. he said it, um, but he wrote a book, Caligari's Children, uh, the film as Tale of Terror, that was published in 1980. And um, I remember reading his passage on the effectiveness of mirrors in horror films and how many of these things that he talks about Flanagan employs in the film. Um, and he's mostly talking more about like silent film in this, uh, mm-hmm. but they, I'll just kind of read a series of quotes from a couple pages real quick. Um, but it, it, I think it just goes to how much thought Flanagan can put into things and how much he can, you know, uh, assemble. Um, he says here, claustrophobic and agoraphobic motifs come together. The mirror experience is claustrophobic when it hems us in and throws us, throws our own face back at us. It is agoraphobic when the mirror opens out into an unfamiliar space, reflecting a room quite different from that which, in which it hangs. The mirror may also assert dark en- energies, allow glimpses of a repressed part of the personality, a world of violence and sexuality with which the characters cannot come to terms. However, the mirror may be most disconcerting of all when it reflects nothing, registers an absence, the absence of a reflection, an uncanny motif that runs from popular superstition via the tales of E.T.A. Hoffman to the vampire films of the 30s and 60s. As has been uh, often noted, mirrors have a relation to cinema experience itself. Their shadow images admit us to what Cocteau called the zone, the realm between dream and reality, the tangible and the evanescent. So those are like a series of quotes that I pulled from like pages mm-hmm. 70 to 79 from this book. Um, but I just remember, you know, it, I think I'd read this book and then I watched the film and I remember reading about things about mirrors and going back to these pages and just being like, wow, like Flanagan is like hitting all these things, you know? And it, to me, that was showing that he was using the mirror to its utmost, you know, uh, yeah. what's what I'm looking for, you know, potential. You know, yeah. uh, he he understands horror cinema. He understands horror history. He knows how to use this thing in intelligent ways. And just going back to those pages, I'm like, man, he he's hitting on so many of these things. Um, whereas a lesser film director might be lucky if they hit on one. It's the um, opposite of the film Mirrors. <laughs> no, it really is. Mirrors has yeah. that one great scene in the bathtub, and that's about yeah. it. Uh, yeah. You know, it, this is. I like how the mirror. He kind of uh, it it does a great job kind of exploring the fallibility of memory and of perception. And mm-hmm. it kind of feeds on the victims, their life force, but also their weaknesses. You know, um, I, I think that uh, the, I think Katie Sackhoff does a great job in this. Yeah, um, yeah. But I think her character is so interesting because it's Katie Sackhoff playing it um, mm-hmm. because you have this mother figure who kind of suffers from like body dysmorphia. You know, mm-hmm. she's kind of like afraid that she's getting fat and that her husband's not, attracted to her and like her cesarean section you know, scar is showing mm-hmm. uh, and like that she's no longer a sexual object for her husband but this is Katie Sackhoff she's yeah. like well known for being incredibly fit <laughs> you know <Yeah. laughs> she's a ripped chick uh, yeah. so to have her playing somebody who is so afraid of her body image and what's happening I think kind of amplifies and emphasizes you know what what this mirror is actually doing to her yeah. yeah, that's my, she's my favorite in the movie. Um, 
I just think that her acting is so great. And mm-hmm. the scenes with her are the scariest scenes for me, like yeah. on different levels. Um, and I just feel for her so much. Yeah. And when she's crawling around, that's creepy. Oh, it's and so her mouth, scary. her teeth. Oh. Yeah. Your yeah, teeth because she's uh, eating. She went at, yeah. That's the scariest Aww. part for my daughter. And my daughter's like <laughs> looking at me all weird. She's like, are you going to do that? Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not going to be crawl chasing you. <laughs> I, and I'm the father's whole thing is interesting. I'm sorry, go ahead. I'm just going to say this while we're talking about Katie Sackhoff because uh, she's in a film from um, 2000, oh, what is it? 2016 that doesn't get a lot of love. It's called Don't Knock Twice. Anybody, everybody ever seen oh, it? Oh, I did see it. It sounds familiar. It's not the greatest film, yeah. but let me tell you something. There was a couple scenes in it that made the hair on the back of my neck stand up that mm-hmm. she was involved in. And, uh, you know, if you if you like uh, Haunted House type films, watch it. Uh, just don't expect it to be like the world's best, but it's good to watch just for those two scenes. So, uh, and I just she's to... good in it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that was another like it. random Netflix watch for me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. All right, what were you gonna say, Vin? No, I mean, without giving away major spoilers, just kind of the, the father. Um, you know, I think that he's played so well because I know he was told to play it as though he doesn't notice anything's wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, all this weird crap is happening around him, but he takes it all as being normal. Um, but it seems like the mirror is convincing him that he's a bad father and husband. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we kind of see Marisol with him and we don't know if he sees her and he might, you know, he mm-hmm. might be convinced that even like he is somebody who would have an affair and that he would, mm-hmm. you know, he would do all these things. It's difficult to tell exactly what's going on with him, but I think that's part of what makes him creepy mm-hmm. is you don't know everything that's going on in the office when, you know, yeah. when the well, camera's not in there. She's at the door listening. And there's, right. there's stuff going on. He's talking to somebody and there's like yeah. some good stuff going on in there. And uh, that's what I liked about him. He's just, he, he was a blank. Like you didn't know what he was thinking. He was just like yep. so. Right. Uh, and it yeah, felt like the-, the mirror was like swiping his mind immediately after. Mm-hmm. Something happened, like that scene with the nails. That's like the worst scene yeah. for me. Oh, I hate. He's it, like the anti Jack Torrance. <laughs> yes. yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Super calm. <laughs> yeah. What were you gonna say, uh, Tammy? Oh, I was just gonna say, take the mirror out of it. There is nothing more terrifying to two kids than their parents turning into not their parents anymore. Yes. You know. Yeah. 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 yeah that's that's such trauma <laughs> and the little girl took it all i mean she really like took it all on herself you know to like try to fix the situation for everybody and i just felt mm-hmm. so much for her yeah well, yeah yeah i'm not gonna say any more about that because i don't want to give any spoilers um to kind of touch and touch on that in a way that's not too spoilery i do like you know how the two kids they have to kind of deal with this whole incident like in their mm-hmm. own ways yeah. and because of the two different paths they take it's just like really interesting to see those different scenarios play out um yep. from, like the same occurrence yep no totally agree totally agree all right um i i, I enjoyed the uh th- when we're talking about um uh, 
lighting and shadow for haunted house. Here you go. There, there's, <laughs> yeah. it's this haunted house, man. It's dark when it's supposed to be dark, mm-hmm. and there's shadows yeah. when they're supposed to be shadows. Uh, and, and that's what I think. You know, of course, this is a completely different tone of a movie than than House, but uh, mm-hmm. this is right. when I think of haunted house. This is what I think. Yes, and, mm-hmm. uh, I like the whole. Uh, we're, we're gonna, we're going to beat this thing. We're gonna kill it. We're going to, I love the whole uh, thing that she's doing with, with all the alarms and, and the video cameras. And we're going to, mm-hmm. we're going to control this whole situation and we're going to, you know, we're going to beat yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, it's really fun. I enjoy out. that. Cause she had thought it through. Like she had yeah. been doing this for 10 years. Oh, exactly. She, how she was as a child. It's like almost like the whole time that he was in jail or wherever yeah. he was, she had never stopped thinking about this and trying to make everything okay for everybody. Right. Yeah. And it was cool because, I mean, it comes across as kind of like over the top, but she's like so driven by this thing that happened to her and she can't get over it that it makes it more believable, you know, that she would be be able to present this like history lesson to us and have thought through all these different mechanisms, you know, in her plan. Whereas Mm -hmm. like if they didn't kind of show their past or something, you would just be like, okay, that's way over the top. But they make it capable in this instance. It also kind of shows that the mayor never stopped controlling her in a way. Yeah, yeah. totally. I mean, it's it, it's a certain variation on one of those kind of horror motifs that I really like. That's like the investigators going to the haunted house. Yeah, yeah. Whether it's like the haunting or the legend of Hell House, or mm. you know, um, going in with the equipment. Jeez. But instead of the house, now she's got this mirror who she's like trying to hold hostage. <laughs> you know, but yeah, the thing that, is yeah. fighting back. Basically, yeah. it's fighting back at this point, and she's making making the haunting happen. Uh, you know, so that it she's would manifest. Right. You know, she worse, said, "We're yeah. we're basically holding a gun to its perverted right, yeah. head. It's gonna right. it's gonna fight back. Yeah, it's and gonna... the fact that she had tracked it down, you know, uh, through this uh, you know, auction or whatever. Yeah, she mm-hmm. was for it, and and uh, yeah. And yeah, she really put her life in a position to be able to do that. Like everything that she's been doing since she was a kid is just to get this mirror yeah. back and get back at it. Their promise that they made to each other. Yeah. It's yeah. Th- th- this this kind of comes towards the uh, the tail end of a certain trend that I liked, and that was of like incorporating fairy tale aspects into horror, mm-hmm. which might have been kind of part of the influence of like Spanish cinema. Um, in the late 2000s with like the orphanage and Pan's Labyrinth, you know, mm-hmm. uh, right. but you had this same year. I think uh, Mama was released um, kind of a very, very kind of fairy tale esque uh, story, even sinister and insidious. They have their own kind of spins with mm-hmm. it, but you have like, you know, you have magic mirror kind of like in Snow White um, in fairy tales. You know, you have children who are often victims of abusive parents. You know, like infanticide is huge in fairy tales. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and we see that in Mama. We see that in, you know, uh, in a lot of these types of films. But it's it's interesting. I really like how there's a blending of horror and fairy tale in a lot of these haunting films at, at this time. Yeah. Right. And and you know what? I, I was reading and said that Flanagan uh, was inspired by H.P. Lovecraft um, to to not explain the mirror's yeah. origins 
think a lot of people have problems with that. Like, we don't know anything about it. Why is it doing it? What's it going? That's it, me. I'm sorry. That. <laughs> That's you. That's but me. See, I am but here, not here's the thing. I don't need to know. I don't care. The yeah. same reason I don't need to know why Michael Myers kills people. I, I, I don't need Rob Zombie to tell me. I honestly like that she went through all this effort to find out as much as she can about it. And we already know that she's like basically driven crazy by this and she traces back its history as far as she can, but we still don't find out like what the actual origin is. And I think that it makes it even scarier. Yeah. He said, he said um, evil in the world doesn't have an answer. You know, you don't always know. And uh, we don't know why um, house plants die around you know what i'm saying like why why is that what, what's the thing with the dogs yeah well i think you know it's that? just feeding on energy yeah kind of like the lower hanging fruit yeah so is is it like a demonic presence in there is it a cursed mirror or what what is it and who knows um i mean it there could be a sequel couldn't there i mean if you think about it i mean it was totally set up for a sequel i thought yeah well, I think this is another one. This was originally a short film. Yes. And it was going to be, I think, kind of an anthology thing again. And then he ended up getting funding to make this full length. And, um, yeah, I, I think the original concept, they were, it was brother and sister in, like, the basement of the place with the mirror, you know, where, mm-hmm. where the mirror was being kept. And then they finally hit on the idea of, well, let's bring him back to the child at home. And that's when everything fell into place. But, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, it, it's... It, you know, it, it it creates an awesome situation. One of the, one of my favorite things about this film is the two timelines, yeah. uh, <laughs> with Kaylee and Tim as adults and as children. But then, as the characters become more disorientated and unable to trust their senses, the timelines kind of go quicker back and forth until they start converging, and it throws off the viewers and characters alike. But it doesn't make us lose the story. You know, which I think is hard for a filmmaker to pull off. Yeah. Uh, you know, you you could totally throw an audience off if you start doing that, but I don't think he does. He he manages to do this, and he gives us like two climaxes that almost occur like simultaneously mm-hmm. um, yeah. with these, uh, and that's very very difficult to do. And that was the thing that impressed me the most the first time yeah. I saw, it, and every time I've seen it is how these timelines converge. Um, again, I'm not spoiling how they converge or anything like that, but uh, mm-hmm. it, it, I just loved that aspect of this film that was my favorite aspect too and the way that they're cut and edited together i think it does a few seamlessly right yeah like it helps to flesh out the characters more because we're getting more of their background story and then just seeing kind of their their characters you know turn into the people that they become um but then aside from that i think because of the kind of uh the kind of influences that the mirror has that using your memories is probably a really good and easy way to kind of disorient you. So I thought that it was really clever in that way too. Yeah. Your memories are, or is it a memory or is it, you know, did it happen? It, it, it was heartbreaking to me that like this kid had spent 10 years being convinced, you know, that ev- everything was, you know, in his mind yes. and all yeah. this yeah. didn't happen or whatever. And, and you know that, so he's even trying to, you know, he's trying to call his therapist and he's trying to, <laughs> you know, Oh, I gotta go, you know, but 
it's just sad uh, to see that, but just such a good storyteller, man. Just this is not easy to do. There's been other movies that have those simultaneous storylines. It doesn't work in in every movie. You've got to be, you have to have a a touch (laughs) to do it. And he, he definitely has it. Definitely has it. So, did you guys just just uh, throw it out there? Did you know that this was remade in um, 2017? I think it's um, an Indian production yeah, called called Dobara. See your evil. It's oh. like a it's like a, almost like a shot for shot remake. Oh really? Indian, but Indian. Oh uh, yeah. So it, it, that one only has a 3.7 out of 10. On IMDb, but it's only got 326 uh, views. I've never seen it, but yeah. Anyway, thought I thought I'd throw that little piece out there in case you wanted to uh, look that up. I thought it'd yeah, be interesting. interesting. Yeah, yeah. But that's uh, uh, I, the the cinematography here is good. Mm-hmm. Um, looks looks really good. The movie looks uh, for his first like real um, film on the big screen. Man, looks looks fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was only a five million dollar budget oh, on wow. this movie, yeah, um, and it made forty four million, um, which is which is pretty good for a, basically an unknown uh, director at the time. I don't think any there's, I guess Katie Sackhoff is probably the most well-known in this movie at the time mm-hmm. in 2014, but she still wasn't like a, I mean, a huge movie star, right? you know? So the fact that it, you know, made 44 million, uh, to me says, says something. So, uh, I, I'd like to, I'd like to read a book, uh, on this with this story you know what i'm saying like oh yeah i'd like to i'd like to get a hold of the screenplay and just read through i bet you you would find a lot of um little things here and there that you might not have understood uh because sometimes have you ever done that have you ever read a a screenplay uh there's certain websites you can go to and you can download uh screenplays from different movies or whatever and it's interesting to, to read it give you so much more uh insight into what what's happening what the director was going for and yeah you know, I, I might I look have it not up. done that personally yeah it's it's really interesting I, I went through a phase there about 10 years ago man I was downloading so many um screenplays uh and and just reading through like it, it didn't matter like Shawshank Redemption I, I would just read the screenplay it was awesome Awesome. <laughs> I recommend it. It's fun. And it'll also teach you how to uh, write a screenplay. So, all right. What else? Anything else? Uh, any, anything negative? Uh, I know Tammy's got plenty, um, starting with Karen Gillan's face. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, others. Tammy, give us your negatives. I don't have any more, honestly. It's just. It just, just, just her face. Just, <laughs> her face just did it, and then and not the and the not knowing the origin of the mirror. But apparently that's just because I didn't pay enough attention or something. Like obviously it's there, and I just didn't get it. I don't know. 
I just no, did not okay. connect with this movie. That it's just yeah. like, just like that sometimes, it, yeah, yeah. It just like why maybe why it's hard to say why you love one so much. I I don't yeah. I don't know. This just isn't is not it yeah. for me. The um it the origin is not there. It, the, some of the history that that she could dig up on Amira was there. So some, she doesn't figure out where it comes from, but she kind of yeah. figures out its mo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm not, you know, I I don't need my hand held. Like, I can appreciate sometimes that's done right in the story. For some reason, I felt like I needed that information in this story, that, and I didn't get it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't feel I like that with this, but I do feel like that sometimes. So I totally mm-hmm. understand where you're coming from. Yeah. And I don't but, know, like, I mean, that's a good yeah. thing because I'm interested. So, <laughs> I, I, you know, yeah, I, almost, yeah. I almost always, to the T, do not want a backstory. I just don't. Uh, I just, just don't. I just don't because um, that's what makes it scary to me. Sometimes. It depends on the story for me. It depends yeah. on yeah. whether or not the story needs it. I think sometimes stories need more explanation. Right. Uh, but like this one, I don't think it does, it. especially when we're dealing with like a haunted object. It, I'm okay with a little more of a Lovecraftian approach. But, um, like I'll give you, an, I'll give you for instance here, and Tammy might fall off her chair, but. <laughs> Like it, I don't need the backstory. Of, I totally agree with that. Of Pennywise coming down in a meteor and a turtle <laughs> and all that mess. I don't need any of that. Um, and that's the reason why they cut it out with the daggone new movies. But, uh, you know, because that to me, that makes it less scary. Mm-hmm. Like that he's like, you know, whatever And there's some turtle And, and there's, you know, I, no, I don't need to know any of that I just need to know It's a daggone entity That takes the form of whatever scares you That's all I need to know And it's and that's also what separates the movie from the book So I mean, yeah. that's in the books Because it's part of the Dark Tower universe And blah, blah, blah But yeah, in order to, to enjoy a movie about that subject No, you don't need that stuff And I'm totally fine But of course I went into those moving movies knowing the complete backstory yeah but i can see where those could stand on their own and no you don't need to know that so but again that i read it i read the novel and while i i did enjoy it like i found that was just too much backstory for me and you know that you love king and he's he's that's he's what he's known for like such incredible depth and backstory and Everything that he's ever written kind of connects together and all that. Uh, I understand that, but um, you know, to me, that sometimes you're, that makes it less scary. You're also you're saying it doesn't change your relationship to the story, whether you know that or yeah. not. You're, you're yeah. you love it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but and and again, we won't get into Rob Zombie and trying to explain <laughs> Michael Myers because <laughs> that's just it's not scary then because it's just I mean, like any other serial killer ever. Okay, but. It's scary when you don't know what the heck the motive is. It's just evil. The, well, and the devil's eyes, the blackish eyes. You know, that's all. That's all you need to know. So. I do think that a mirror is inherently a very scary object. Like there is, there is ever anything that's got one little toe in the uncanny yeah. or something. It's a mirror. Yeah. I remember when I was a little kid in my grandpa's house. I could stand on a step stool in front of the bathroom mirror, and then he also had a mirror behind you so that he could see like the back of his hair i used to get up on that 
stool and stare because you know when it when you look into a mirror that looks into a mirror it just like goes on forever mm-hmm. i was like man i would like daydream has, about going in there you know just, has everybody here done the bloody mary thing in the mirror oh i definitely no. have yeah i have yeah no, <laughs> yeah well, no. only with the backup of a sleepover girl's birthday party i'm not doing that yeah. crap by myself i think it goes to what you're saying though there there's always something about a mirror you know it's so um, true. i mean candy man well if there is ever a portal like you cannot argue. Like if there's ever going to be a portal, it's going to be the mirror. It's just yeah. it's like the perfect setup for that, you know. I'm trying to remember if this is something like a Flanagan quote or something. How I'm I'm blanking on the origin of this, uh, but it has to do with I think Flanagan said something about this. How when you're looking in the mirror, you're still looking at like a false image, yeah. you know. It's like it's it's you, but it's not quite you. You know, it's like an inverse. You know, it, it, it's um, it's a fake you. Uh, yes. You know, it, and you can get into the whole doppelganger thing. Yes. With that. Um, but I think there, there's also something very effective just cinematically about a camera peering into the mirror and not seeing the reflection. Like the as mirror. a viewer, like we we expect to at least like see like because we know we're watching a movie, so we expect to see like a lens staring back. You know. Yeah. So, like, you know, when I watch scenes with mirrors, I'm often looking, like, consciously or not, for the crew to be reflected <laughs> in them. Um, you know, yeah. and, and I just think that there's something weird. I mean, it, of course, in reality, if you looked in a mirror and there's a reflection, that's creepy. But I think that there's still something odd and uncanny or disconcerting about a camera staring into the mirror and not seeing anything. Um, I know that it, just to kind of get the effect in certain points, Flanagan had like the the glass of the mirror on like a little pivot, so mm-hmm. that he can like he can tilt it away from the crew. So often the glass isn't reflecting what it's supposed to be reflecting, you know. So it kind of gives it more of that uncanny, unnatural. Yeah, yeah, and some and on some level, you know, you're aware of that, whether you realize that. Right, you are I think or there's not. there's a subconscious thing mm-hmm. there that you you know that what you're seeing isn't quite right. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, since we don't have any more dislikes. Well, I I would like to say one thing that I don't just to see if anybody else agrees. Say it. it's 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 not quite a dislike, but I don't think I felt it the first time I saw the movie. But each time I've seen it, I do feel like I'm not fully engaged in the first act. Like it takes me a while to get into the movie, but then when I'm into it, I'm really into it. But I feel like in the first twenty minutes or so, or almost half hour, I, I feel like I can, I can kind of feel the budget a little bit. Um, it feels like a movie. If that's, you know, it, of course I'm watching a movie. But you know how like sometimes you can like almost like feel the seams mm-hmm. of a movie. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not you're not getting lost. You're not getting immersed. And I feel like that in the first like act, in the first you know maybe half hour or so. But then by the time it's the halfway point. I'm completely engaged and I'm loving everything, but it does each time I watch it. I've seen it a few times. It takes me a little while to get into it. Um, and I just wondered if either of you, uh, you know, the, those of you who like the film, <laughs> I can, I can if you also feel the, that at all, I can pinpoint the moment that I start feeling engaged. And it's that scene where she's like first coming face to face with the mirror. And there's mm-hmm. those objects under the blankets behind her. Yep. And the mirror is already starting to try to like mess with her. I'm mm-hmm. like in right from that moment. <laughs> mm. 
Yeah. You know what's good um, about the third act is like that's when um, the two different storylines start come closer and closer and closer together. So like I have to say the third act is great. I I do have that disconnect before that, but as those two timelines start to flow together, it's very engaging at that mm-hmm. point. I think. Yeah, I I understand what you're saying, but I don't I don't feel that at all. I'm kind of engaged this, from the very beginning. Yeah, it, this is. I know that Tammy earlier in the episode you had said like both these films are almost good films. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> I like. I feel like this is a really good film that's almost a great film, and I think it's kind of like when I think of great films, I'm engaged like minute one. Mm-hmm. You know, like right. I'm there, I'm invested. The second the movie starts, I'm like, yes. Um, you know, I think I'm like the exorcist or something like that, you know, there's something to pull me in right away. And I just don't get that necessarily with this. Um, Mm -hmm. and that's the only thing that, you know, that I can come as close as possible to a dislike. And it's not even a dislike. It's just kind of an acknowledgement of like, okay, yeah, I'm kind of thinking about other things until, you know, 20 minutes or so in. Yeah. I feel like intrigued right from the beginning, but I do feel like you grow to be more invested in the characters as the movie goes. And a lot of that has to do with seeing their kids selves. Mm-hmm. So like, yeah, right, like at face value, when you first meet them, they're kind of like, especially the girl, she's very kind of like an abrasive character. Um, <laughs> but then, it, you know, she has her reasons for being the way that she is. And so then you forgive it later on. But like, right from the get go, when you first meet her, you're like, mm, I don't know if I believe you as a person. <laughs> It's yeah. that face, I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Unbelievably beautiful face. Mm-hmm. It's distracting. <laughs> yes. You know, one thing that was distracting for me, though, was now that I know that Kate Siegel is my, you know, Mike Flanagan's wife and she's in everything that he does, seeing her as Marisol like, made it not believable for me anymore. Yeah, that's completely a retroactive yeah. <laughs> yeah now that i know who she is and my least, daughter said but, the same thing she was like oh yeah that's his wife and i'm like yeah it kind of takes me out of at least it it's not <laughs> sherry moon zombie yeah <laughs> it could be sherry moon it, zombie she man. was super effective though before all that <laughs> yes yeah. yeah like the first time i saw it i was so scared of her <laughs> but yeah that one thing i mean and obviously that's not like a problem or an issue with the movie really that's yeah. just like a personal thing that it took me out a little bit. Mm-hmm. Did you know that the uh, mirror that they used in this is actually still hanging in Mike Flanagan's son's room? Hey. <laughs> yeah. So why? No. <laughs> Was it, wasn't this hanging somewhere in the Haunting of Hill House? It might have well, been. Probably. I, th- I think there's like a cameo of it or something like that, or it's on one of the walls at one point. Um. I'm going to have to watch it again. The only, <laughs> the only mirror cameo in in cinema history. No. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think it was in one of his other films, too. It, it did make an appearance, I think. Yeah. Well, then I'm Googling it. I'm going to keep an eye out for that from now on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I'm, I'm reading an interview. It says, uh, did you write this movie the way it ended with a sequel in mind? Um, it's in all of his movies. Yeah. Nice. Is it really? Yeah, it's what Even it says Hush? on IMDb. Um, no, it doesn't say. Okay, so it's in Ouija Origin of Evil, Gerald's Game, The Haunting of Hill House, and The Overlook Hotel and Doctor Sleep. So I guess it's <laughs> not all of them, but that's quite a few. Yeah, it's a lot. That's fun. 
but they asked him if they he wrote if he ended it that way with a sequel in mind, and he said uh, no, mm. no. So they were never thinking sequel. So there yeah. you go. I would hope not because I like love that ending. I think it's a perfect ending. But you know what I would go for? Prequels. <laughs> no, I'm totally you serious. You do want more information. <laughs> Take that mirror and give us some stories. Yes. Like period piece stories. You I am know, so down for that. Of some, of some of the other victims that it's had throughout its history, whatever. Uh, come on. Haunted House period piece. Yeah. Same, same Oculus mirror. Oh, Call me yeah. up, Mike Flanagan. <laughs> just, just for Vin, it needs to be at the the Warrens, you know, room of all. No, the- <laughs> I, was, I was just thinking that, Tammy. I'm like, the, the Conjuring universe could have yeah. been something like this, and they haven't done it. You know, yeah. uh, they could have done this kind of thing. Yeah. Um, Gosh. I I, I kind of wish that there was more of a Mike Flanagan shared universe, though. Wait, wait, uh, I've got a great idea. At the end of this movie, there's a there's a stinger. And it's Ed and Lorraine Warren <laughs> taking the mirror yep. and taking it down to their <laughs> basement of horrors. Oh god! And then as as the screen pans out and it's getting rid, the nun's face appears in the mirror. <laughs> oh, oh! It's I amazing. Like I'm not already yes. a, uh, a screenwriter. And you you no, know how much I hated me. everything you just said, right? <laughs> and then and then Annabelle, who's sitting on the chair next to it, turns her head. No, I'm just kidding. Oh my god! All right. I want to see the Warrens possessed by the mirror and then just kill themselves. That's what I want to see. <laughs> the next Conjuring film. <laughs> That's the crossover movie we need. Yeah. <laughs> That's too funny. I'm kind of over Conjuring films, but I will go and see that one for sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and uh, rate this thing, and uh, we're gonna let Tammy go first. I'm gonna give it the same thing that I gave the other one, just because I'm just care about it just about as much. So six point five. <sighs> that hurts my heart. <laughs> uh, Jessica, um, for me, this is an eight point five, or uh, yeah, eight point five out of ten. I really, really like it, and I think it's very effective. And I love stories within stories and getting lost in that inner story. That's one of my favorite aspects of storytelling in general, and I think it's just done so well here. Um, So, yeah, eight and a half. I agree, but I give it a nine. Whoa! I give it a nine out of ten because, again, right up my alley, haunted house, Every actor in this movie knocks it out of the park. It's a it's a low budget movie that looks like it cost ten times what 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 it actually did. So, and I would recommend uh, you getting this Blu-ray. How about you, Vin? Um, I'm with Jessica. Eight point five. Um, like I said, this is a really really good movie that for me is just shy of being great. Mm-hmm. Um, if I was more, it, it, if it just engaged me more right in the very beginning and kept me there, um, this would be easily nine, nine and a half. Uh, but it's, that's the only thing, you know, uh, it, mm-hmm. it, once I'm halfway into the movie, I'm completely engaged, but it does kind of take me a little while to get there. Um, so 8.5 is definitely worth seeing, worth owning, worth rewatching. Uh, definitely one of the 
the better films of its time period. Yeah. And it, you got to watch it just to, uh, uh, you know, see the, the beginnings of, of one of the greater horror directors of our time. Yeah. Well, it'll be neat. Like once his career is coming to an end, which, you know, I'll probably be dead. Maybe. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Well, if you are, then I am. <laughs> yeah. But uh, it, it would be neat to just look back and say, hey, this is where it all started. So. How old is he? Does anybody know? Nah, he's probably in his late 30s, I bet you. Yeah. I bet you. But I'm not, I'm not looking at it. So. All right. Well, let's get out of here, guys. Revenant Vin, where can people find you on the Internet? On Facebook, I'm Vin Horrorcast. Uh, the horror blog is TheRevenantReview.com. And on YouTube, I'm Revenant Reads. All right. How about you, Taminator? Uh, Mike Flanagan is 43 years old. He was born May 20th, 1978, and he's losing his hair. Um, <laughs> he's been balding for a long time. <laughs> well, you know, he just matches Karen Gillum's face with his God, bald head. <laughs> The daggone nerve of these ugly people. Oh my God. <laughs> he is older than I thought, though. I'm, I'm that's strange. Um, Tamara, Tammy Turner, <laughs> Tammy Turner on Facebook. Sorry, I was. <laughs> All right, the amateur destroyer, Jessica. Where can people find you? Yeah, on Facebook, I'm Jessica Schmidt with two T's. On Instagram, I'm amateur underscore destroyer underscore. On Twitter, I'm at amateur destroyer with an A at the end. And on Letterboxd, I'm ashy underscore slashy. All right. You can email us if you're old school at asktheharrorcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at the HCast. And on Instagram at the Horrorcast, uh, we do have a Horrorcast TikTok that I have posted some stuff on. I posted uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven different uh, things over the past couple weeks, and uh, they're like um, five underrated horror films on Prime and twenty horror films that you need to watch on. Uh, uh, I don't know what else. What did I say? Tubi, Tubi, and then I said did one on uh, Netflix. You know. And it's weird because um, we did, we did, I think we had like one or two followers. We're up to 22 followers now. Ooh. So we're, we're on the way um, <laughs> on Twitter. It's well, not on Twitter, on TikTok. And it's weird. Like some of our um, things will have like 600 views, 500 views or whatever. And then the newest one that I put up just has nine views. Come on, people. Diminishing returns, man. <laughs> no, it's like the one right before it already has 183 views. But, and then the next one, which is, uh, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what the problem is. Just not. Like what algorithms and. Yeah. I don't, I don't know how that and, algorithm. Yeah. <laughs> They like the ones with your face better. That's why. Oh, yeah. those are my favorite. Now that is a face. That's... Yes. Yes. <laughs> Me and Karen Gillum. She Sexy wishes. faces. <laughs> All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of the horror cast where it's all killer. No filler. Stay scared.